good there. All right, you can stand. So I'm going to be talking about God's love that endures forever. And uh, as a kid, I collect stamps. I still collect stamps, but I haven't since my child was born. I don't know why. I haven't had any time in 12 years. Uh, but I'm planning one day to do it again. And those stamps over there were my favorite stamps when I was a little kid. Unfortunately, they're worthless. <laughs> there was millions and millions of them printed. But I loved them because I loved the buildings. And they were all buildings in South Africa, different iconic buildings. And uh, uh, my dad's also a builder, so I also love that. Later, I might say one other thing with buildings, but that, that was like something that I really enjoyed. And buildings invoke things in our hearts. So on the next slide, there's a couple of buildings. You know, there's the Eiffel Tower. One day, my wife and I are going to go there. <laughs> that's like, that's one of the things. And we're going to go there because it's a tower. <laughs> there's no other reason. It's just a building, but it invokes a kind of emotion. Big Ben, of course, when it was built, uh, um, was the second tallest non-Christian tower because <laughs> the, the cathedral's towers were taller in the world when it was built. The other one is just off to the side but doesn't have a bell in it so it doesn't have a name. Uh, um, but Big Ben, you know, I've got a photo standing in front of Big Ben. I've never been to the Statue of Liberty. I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to go to New York. Uh, wild country. But uh, uh, there's Sydney Opera House. Whenever we go to Sydney, we have a photo taken at Sydney Opera House. I mean, it's iconic. It's beautiful. It invokes emotion. When we celebrate, we celebrate there. Now, if something happened to that, if something happened to that building, we would remember it. It would be etched into our memory, always. Uh, um, so when September 11 happened, anyone that was alive and a little bit older than four or something, or maybe, maybe even that age, would remember that day when those planes flew into that building and what that symbolized and what that meant. And so buildings evoke emotion. They are iconic they are a symbol of things. And now if ever there was a building in the world that had symbolism to people, it was the temple of God uh, that was built in Jerusalem by the Jewish people. That was the biggest symbol in their lives of uh, nationalism, of religious practice, of pride, even of security. They had their faith in that building. Not in the God of that building, almost in the building itself. And so my first character, if he can come forward, it's a he, but I'm going to say it's one of you two. Which one of you wants to be David? All right, I've got David coming. David is coming. He's got long blonde hair. Okay, David, you can come over here. So David, second king of Israel. So I know we normally anoint them, but I'm going to knight them with this lightsaber. I knight you, David. All right, David, he is the second king. The Ark of the Covenant has been stolen it's away with the Philistines. He goes and he gets it rescued. They bring it back. There's a couple of stories of what happens with that. But ultimately he brings it back and it stays in a tent outside in Jerusalem. And so David sits there and he's thinking, David's thinking, I live in this big palace, but there's no house for the Lord. And so David says, I'm going to build a temple. He's very excited. He tells the priest he's going to build a temple. And so David then finds out. The next day, the priest comes and says, sorry, David, you're not going to build a temple because there's a lot of blood on your hands because of all the war you've been doing. And so David's a bit sad. But he says, your son, happens to be over there, Solomon, is going to build a temple for you. And so what David does, David goes around and he goes and gathers material for his son. And so David over here is some material for you. You can take out those yellow ones and those orange ones. There's the material to build with. And then 
two of these ones. Oh, there's another orange one there. So there's, there's your building material. He gathers it all together. He gets everyone excited. You can put it over here if you're happy. And so David has got all the material together. He's got everyone ready to get it. And he said Solomon will build the temple. And David was a king and a shepherd, but David was also... If you want to sit, David, you can. For a, you can. Thanks, David. So, David, you have to stay here because later you're going to be someone else. So, David was also, also someone that wrote um, psalms. And so, David wrote this one iconic psalm that we're going to hear through the whole, whole time today, or the next half hour, not today. Uh, um, and this is what he wrote. And so, your line, so everyone has a turn now as well, is his love endures forever. So, he wrote this song that they worshipped in the temple. And he says, Give thanks to the Lord for his good. All right, so that's, that's good. It's about a C, I'd say. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone who does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the water. And so that psalm goes on 26 times. He sing, they sing that. So it wouldn't have been as it would have been in Aramaic or Hebrew, so it would have sounded better and it would have rhyme, but it was, it, it was an amazing song they wrote, and every time the crowd would sing that, so when they'd gather, they would say that and sing it in worship, and they would know that iconically. David passed away. By David, sorry. And Solomon rose. Come, Solomon. You can stay, David. Don't run away. You're just dead, but you're still here. <laughs> And so Solomon came, and Solomon asked for something that was quite amazing. So everyone thinks he asked for wisdom. But what he actually asked for, he said, wisdom to lead my people. That's, that's actually the amazing thing. It's not that he asked for wisdom, it's that he cared for others. But so Solomon's got all these resources David's gathered through him, because they want to find a place for the Ark of the Covenant to stay. And Solomon, he, he's also got quite a bit of money. He's rich. He gets together to start building the temple. So Stevie, that front door is pointing that way. Maybe I'll move it back a little. So Solomon is building the temple. And I might help Stephen a little because, oh, sorry, I'll help Solomon a little. So it's four by four. Yeah, he builds a big temple. And the temple is about the size of the art gallery. Maybe even slightly smaller than the art gallery we have in Geraldton. So it's, it's very beautiful. It's lavish. There we go. Let's keep going. That's going to come on the roof. And it has three rooms in it. And only three rooms in it. And it's actually only built for one reason. Okay, you can put those top walls on top. Like this. And I need a door. I've lost my door. There's the door. It's only got one door, so it doesn't comply with fire regulations. And uh, the guys are also, they're burning stuff in it. So it's, it's quite a dangerous space. Uh, um, but it's built to be an iconic building. But its main function is to house the Ark of the Covenant and to be a place where worship takes place, but not inside. The people gather outside. Inside is a very sacred, sacred space. Uh, um, very lavish inside as well. But in terms of buildings, for that time, amazing. But in our times, quite, quite a modest building. Wouldn't have been much bigger than what we have in our room right now. 
So he builds the temple. Apparently, we didn't gather all the resources. Ah, there we got. Last one from Lebanon. There we go. And there's, that's, that's kind of what it was. So there's a picture of it on the next page. There's the, there's the temple that Solomon built. Thank you, Solomon. And uh, maybe you three can come up with me up here at the stage. So now Solomon's built it. They come to the dedication stage. And so the temple is built. Solomon is busy getting ready to dedicate the temple to the Lord. And it says here in one, uh, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1 to 3, when Solomon, okay, let's, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the offering and the sacrifice. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites, that's us four, saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground. I need some supporting kneelers. With their faces to the ground, they worshipped, gave thanks to the Lord, and they said, He is good, His love endures forever. You know, that was all they said. So, there we go. Give thanks to the Lord, He is good, His love endures forever. Could you imagine how iconic that was? You guys, thanks for your kneeling. So, and back there, or wherever you feel comfortable, Steve, you can stay there as well if you want. So, the temple is dedicated and there's that verse again. But these people are just overwhelmed with, this, with his glory. And they nearly, they fall down. It says his love endures forever. Unfortunately, Solomon was wise, but he, he, had some, he made some mistakes. A thousand wives was one of them. Uh, um, but, you know, his kingdom, directly after he passed away, his kingdom split in two. And we had the northern kingdom, which is ten tribes. The southern kingdom, which is two, but actually just one because the other tribe was actually very small and minute and they they had the temple by them and the northern kingdom they got they they suffered quite a lot from the Syrians so did Judah and they even fought with each other one stage we have Jehoshaphat hey Jehoshaphat you can come up here to the front Jehoshaphat about 80 years later 90 years later several kings later Jehoshaphat comes into uh, a rule and uh, the let me really find who was coming the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Minunites, came to make war with Jehoshaphat. Uh, a lot of people came to make war with them, and they're the small tribe, single, on their own. They don't have the northern kingdoms with them, and they are scared. So they call a fast. So Jehoshaphat calls a fast. Jehoshaphat's praying, and so Jehoshaphat comes up with this great idea. Jehoshaphat says, we're going to get a worshiper. Laura, that's you. You come up. Solomon has become the worshipper. And we're going to take the worshipper. You can stand over there. Over there, Laura. And we're going to put them in front of the warriors. Warrior here in the middle. And when we march out to go battle, we're going to have the worshipper in front. Then the warrior. And I have an idea, Joseph. This might be there. I'm not sure if he was with the worshippers. Maybe he was. I hadn't quite found out. But we have these three people. They're coming towards this group. You guys stay there. I am those other three guys. They're coming towards this group of people. And you know what they're singing? They sing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. They're going out. They're facing imminent destruction. And the thing that they have is they worship God for who he is. And so in our own lives, when the enemy is coming, that's the attitude we should have. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. 
Good job for worshipping everybody. I'm still going to need you one more time. Stay just here. So they, they actually arrived to the battle scene. Everyone killed each other. So all the enemy, they ended up slaughtering each other. <laughs> They're all dead. And they have the plunder you know, of it. So they actually come out safe from that. And there's an amazing story in that. But unfortunately, the thing is, they, they still continued to sin. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They still lived that, that sinful life. And so we have, I was going to get Pete, but he's not here. And I'm not sure, I think I need Josh. Because I need a dude with a beard, and Josh has the best beard here. So Josh, come here. So, so there's this, there's this not so cool dude, <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar the second, I think. But Josh, you're cool. You're just playing the role. He, he comes, he comes here to Jerusalem, in 604 or something, and he comes and he sieges it and he takes the best. You're going to be the best, Laura. Daniel is one of those groups. He takes them back to Babylon. Go take them to Babylon. No, gently, gently, Josh, you go with. <laughs> All right, Josh, now you come back. She's there. No, you stay there. You're in Babylon. He comes again, 5097. I don't know. It's on the board, you can see. He comes again. He sieges again. This time he takes, he takes more, but he also, he takes the Ark of the Covenant with the treasure. Here they are. Gold coins, not actual gold, just gold coins. He takes them. There. He takes them back. But what's going on here in Israel, these oaks aren't getting the picture. They still try the whole time, you know, to be themselves in the kingdom and stuff. So he comes back a third time. And let's get that date. I think that date's quite a good date to have. Uh, um, in 587 BC. So he comes back then. He comes here. He goes. That's it. That's what he does. He smashes it. Destroys it. He takes them. No one is left. It's gone. They are living there in disaster. You know, it's, it's, it's not great. Okay, you guys can stay seated if you want. You're going to die soon, so that's fine. You can go back to the desk. You guys stay just there for a moment. Are you all right to still be? Or you can sit on the chairs if you want to sit on the chairs there. Okay, you can stand if you want. Uh, children and animals, apparently, you shouldn't work with them. Uh, that's my own fault. I apologize. So, actually, I don't. Jeremiah 33. So this is, so Jeremiah is writing, and he says, this place, this, this is what the Lord says. You say about this place, it is desolate waste, without men or animals. Yet in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are deserted, inhabitants by, inhabited neither by men nor animals, there will be heard once again more the sound of joy and gladness in this Utterly destroyed place. Uh, um, we we have no we have no concept of what that is. You know, maybe World War II, but even those things were rebuilt. But utterly destroyed, nothing left of it. Maybe Rotterdam. Rotterdam was laid waste to. Uh, um, the sound of joy and gladness, the voice of the bride and the bridegroom, and the voice of those who bring thanks offering to the house of the Lord, saying, "Give thanks to the Lord Almighty." For the Lord is good, his love endures forever, will be heard again. And so in this place, while everyone's in exile and looks desperate, this is what Jeremiah says we're going to be saying. And so 70 years later, uh, 
Nebuchadnezzar and his descendants, they're gone. Cyrus is king, and he decrees that some of the Jews can come back. So one of the Jews comes back, and it's going to be Zerubbabel. So which one of you three? I'm going to, I'm going to take, or like, Laura, you come. Laura comes back, Zerubbabel. He is a descendant of David, royal blood, uh, but he's not a king anymore. He's a governor because they, have no, they are not kings at all anymore. And so they come back and they decide they're going to build the temple. But it is not a very big temple. Laura, it's, let me see. I can show you the picture. That's what you've got to build me. Can you build that? So you put it in there. And do you need to be knighted again or are you happy? Actually, you can't be. You're just, you're just a governor. So, so this is what they have. They have this one foundation. And you unuse orange bricks. Yeah, you pick them up. I'll go to the scripture. So they're busy. They've laid the foundation and they start rebuilding it. And this is 515 BC. So they're busy back and they're building it. And here is, here is what happens. Remember the last time the fire came down. It was amazing. Here we are, Israel 3 verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation, this foundation, just the one thing. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests and the vestments and the trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Ashav, those are the guys that did the worship that David told to worship, with symbols took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love endures forever. And all the people gave great shouts of praise to the Lord. So Laura, you can do you can do a great shout or a little shout? Just a shout. Any, okay. It was, it was a praise, not a horror shout, but that's fine. We'll take that one. Thanks, Laura. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads, you're going to have another one here to do, had seen the former temple. The former temple that was much bigger than this. Much bigger than what this was. And they wept aloud. Laura, give us your best weeping aloud. Like, like you really don't want to go to school. Oh, no! That's it. That's what happened. They were weeping. They were so sad because of it. Being laid, the foundation of the temple laid, while many others shouted with joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. And so there's a great sadness in the result of, of sin. And the result of not obeying God will paste the door to the people. So there's the one door again. And so they've gone from this massive, this beautiful building, this lavish building, to maybe a shed. You know, that's what it was. All the trappings, all the trappings, all the, the gold, all the beautiful things were gone. The ark is still in Babylon. It's gone. It's not going to be found. It's probably melted down. So this is what, this is what they have. And they rebuild from there, but they still say his love endures forever. And so for ourselves as well, when things are disappointing, let's still turn to God and say his love endures forever. So, Zerubbabel, you have passed away, unfortunately. You, you may now go take a seat if you want. So, in comes Herod. I'm going to, you can be Herod. Yeah, you are Herod. So this is 500 years later, or 480 years later. Herod uh, um, is now he's known as the king again. The Romans have come. Some terrible things have happened here. 
The Greeks have raided it several times. The Romans have raided it. It's been defiled. Lots of different things have happened. But he starts rebuilding it. He starts rebuilding it. And you, uh, Stephen, come help. I think you can help because you're a creative genius with this stuff. You can now use all the bricks. But the thing is we need one big tower, one big fence that goes around it. So use the red ones for the fence and build everything as high and whatever you want to. He is building a new building. It's got a temple in it as well, but it's more lavish. And it's got more room for priests and for people. It is, uh, we can go to the next picture. You can see that's what it looks like now. So that's the court, very big, administrative. Uh, um, you don't have to build if you don't want to, Jeff. But if you, you're standing. All right, that's good. Herod is going to stand. Other people are going to build. That's pretty much what happened, most probably. They built that temple from 20 B.C., to 64 AD, 84 years they were building and adding and just making it lavish and, and it moved from the place where the, what was sacred for the ark to more of a nationalistic thing and a, a, a religious practice but it missed that glory of God. And so um, in walks Jesus and he comes and in the beginning of his ministry so Alton referred to the end of his ministry when he cleared out the temple. There's a second time he cleared out the temple, and that's in the beginning of his ministry. And he comes, and he did the whole whip thing, chased him out. People come to him and say, in John 2, verse 18, the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? <laughs> it's very funny, because the whole symbolism of this is what Jesus is going to do. The whole temple is to symbolize the act of the crucifixion for us and how our sins are atoned for. And these people are questioning, who are you do, who, how do you have authority? And so he says, you can be you can Jesus for a moment for me. All right, and Jesus says, he has his hands like this, and he says, destroy this temple, and in three days, uh, and I will raise it up in three days. And so he wasn't pointing there, he's saying, destroy this temple. Jesus was talking about himself there. He's saying, destroy me and I will be raised up in three days later. Thank you, Jesus. You can go back down. All right, we still got good construction going on here. We're done. Thank you very much. And so one thing just to think about, just interesting thing, is there was three exiles and there was three returns. So that's that's nice little symbolism there. We've got the temple. Jesus is referring to his own body. There's another time, six days before he's going to be crucified. He's just given a very fervent uh, uh, basting to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, just saying, woe to you, and may, may, no one ever, may Jesus never talk to us like that. <laughs> you know, please let us not be like that. And so then he goes to John, he goes to Matthew 24, and his disciples come to him, and so they look at the temple, they look at that temple, that lavish building, we can go back to the temple again, where's the temple? It's coming. They look at that, no sorry, just one. That way, they look at that temple, and they're walking out there, and they say, Jesus, look at that building. And he says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the building. Do you see all these things? He asked, I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. He's referring to the temple. Okay, the next picture that's the western wall. That western wall isn't the temple. That western wall 
was this retaining wall that Herod had built. And that's just half of it. There's another half all the way down. And over there on the side is the gate where you could go in. And so that is still one of the most sacred places to Jewish people at the moment. They still have worship there. They're still gathering in prayer. They mourn the day when this was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. Utterly destroyed. And the reason for that is it, wasn't, had no, it served no more purpose. That temple symbolized what Jesus had done. It was not, not needed there anymore. And to be truthful, people must probably worship the building if it was still standing. So it's a good thing it's not there because the truth of what Jesus did for us is far greater than that. So that's the temple. And now you get Paul who talks to us and he says, You, thanks Stevie, very good building. I'm going to finish it off now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. You go join mommy there and I'll do the last little bit. Paul points to us and he says, You are the temple of God. And I think he's talking about all of us. He does say, You are the temple of God. And uh, we just look off. You know, we must look after a body, but I think what he's actually saying is be kind to one another when he says you are the temple of God. His disciple John, in um, writing, and this is, I think it was after the temple was destroyed, he writes and he says in 1 John 3, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has not pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us love with words. Let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and truth. And so, his loving, give thanks to the Lord for his good, his love endures forever, is applicable to us. His love endures forever, but we also have to partake in that. If we've experienced that love, we need to be able to give that love out. And then 1 John 4 he just goes on and he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God shows his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So, the building where all those sacrifices happened. On that day, Solomon himself sacrificed 20,000 head of cattle. On that one day, they dedicated the first temple. Just him. <laughs> maybe it was a couple of, maybe it was a week. But just, just that. That where so many things were killed for sin, Jesus in the one act paid for our sin. And we get to experience that, experience that enduring love. So Paul has two things he, he says for us. Uh, um, he, prays, he prays for the church in Ephesus, but he also prays for us. And in Ephesians 3, he... Um, go there. Ephesians 3, he's just laid down the, um, what Jesus has done for us on the cross. He's just... He's got... The, the, verse, the, the chapters before that are amazing. And he's just gone that, and then he finishes off this part with a prayer, because he's going to go into the practical stuff soon. He finishes off the prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom this, his whole family in heaven and on earth derive its name. I pray that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And through faith is very important. Uh, um, 
anything we do is by faith, not by our own works. You know, yeah, we we're saved through faith, and the works we do after that are are just to bring glory to God. But they 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 don't add anything to our how much He values us and loves us. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, long, high, deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure. Of all the fullness of God. And if there's a prayer we can pray every day, it could be that one. God, show me how much you love me. And then show me how much you love my neighbor. And uh, if we pray that every day, we would not be the same people. We'd be a different, we'd have a different way of doing things. Um, whenever whenever uh, we teach about hearing God's voice or prophecy and stuff like that. Something that comes up every time is half the time at least God's going to say, I love you. And so there was this one time, I might have shared this with some of you before, that I was, I had this very important business decision to make. And so I'm going to God and I'm praying because it's an important thing. It's going to affect some people. Some people are going to be angry. So I'm praying and I say, God, please give me an answer to this problem. And so I hear God say, Sean, I love you. Oh, thanks, God. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Um, back to the agenda, Lord. <laughs> I have this problem. <laughs> Please give me an answer to this problem. And God says, I love you, Sean. I'm like, and so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm thick-headed, so it takes me a while to work these things out. And so I ask a third time. <laughs> you know, I was like, God, re- really, this thing is pressing on me. I need to make a decision on this. And then God says, Sean, I love you. Thank you, God. You love me. And this little thing that I'm deciding about is insignificant in comparison to the fact that you love me. That you have a plan for my life and that you'll make things work out for me. And I don't even know what the thing was that I was praying about. I know I was anxious before that. I have no idea what it was. I don't even know if I got an answer. But what I knew from that time is that God loves me. And so when our temple gets smashed, when the things we've put our faith in get destroyed, you know, because if it's not God, it's, it's coming some other time. You know, everything is finite. So when those things, when those things get into trouble, we can turn to God who is, has an enduring love for us. Paul's many other encouragements, but here's the last one I want to finish off with. Romans 8, once again, he's laid a great foundation. He's going to move into the practical. So he's finishing off this like intermediate part just before he goes in 9. He says, Romans 8, 38, 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And give thanks to the Lord for His good. His love endures forever. And whatever things you're going through at home or at school, at work, in your heart, in your mind, I mean, sometimes those places are difficult. I I pray that you can turn to God and say, your love endures forever. And thank Him for how good He is, even in the midst of your difficult circumstances. And if it's going great, Even more, even more, give thanks to the Lord for his good.
Thank you. I'm going to quickly pray for us. And Jeremy, I'm going to leave it up to you to decide you want to worship. Yes, we've got one more song coming as well. Uh, um, uh, I'll move this away. Pray, and then it gives you, then you can come up as well. Let's hope I don't fall. That would be an end. You can all give thanks to the Lord for the sermon is finished. <laughs> um, Father God, I thank you that you are amazing, Lord. And this morning we celebrated that you sent your son to die for us and for the world, that you so loved us so much, Lord. We pray, Lord, that tomorrow when we go, uh, today when we go home, but tomorrow when we're at work and today when we're at home, that we'd be able to understand that love and share that love with one another. Help us, Lord, to love you and love our neighbors as we love ourselves.